I hope everybody had a, a good Thanksgiving. Just a plug for the Radiate uh, ministry. We had about 10 to 12 students. Um, it was a really nice time. They very, really appreciated um, being able to get together at our house. Uh, the, uh, we had a lot of people donate food and things like that. So Chris and I weren't just like cooking like crazy the whole morning or anything like that. So it was, it was a good time. And I just thank everybody for everything that they did. Um, and I know they appreciated it. So, okay, so last week we talked about fear. There's two types of fear. The uh, physical fear of self-preservation, um, something like a car is coming at me, ah, jump out of the way. Um, and then that other fear, which can be kind of defined as anxiety. It's like this just gnawing at the back of our kind of head, this dark cloud, like Mark said, over us. That It's just that uh, type of fear. Um, and we kind of went over, defined those, but today we're going to kind of get way more into what scripture tells us how to handle that. So what do we do with that, you know? What do we do about it? Um, we're going to go through four steps uh, that were provided by Tim Keller in a couple of his sermons. Um, just remember, anxiety, the term anxiety means in pieces. So it's like our mind's divided, you know, it's, it's fixated on a bunch of different things. And <laughs> the Bible tells us to fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. So we, we, gotta, we have that struggle to, to do that without be, having that anxiety. Um, <clears throat> and so we got to, you know, it's kind of like not being single-minded. So, we, so we're to uh, try to focus because we're focused on our circumstances a lot of times and not focused on our salvation. First uh, John 4.18, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfect, perfected in love. So that's kind of a, a hope for us is because we, we, we know perfect love, Christ, loves us perfectly. So what do we do about this? Um, the first step uh, Tim Keller talks about, following your thread. And so what does that mean, following your thread? It means going through it. You, know, if you have this anxiety or whatever it is, you go through it. And when he said, follow the thread, I kind of, you, you guys ever watch the old Batman with uh, um, Adam West? Is that Burt Ward? Was he Robin? Yeah, I knew Tim would know. So there, you remember those scenes where they're doing this number and they're talking to each other and the capes are back just when they're doing this? And following that thread of, <coughs> excuse me, following that thread because you, you have to go through this anxiety. You have to work through it. You can't push it off, um, keep it in the back of your mind because uh, honestly, it'll come out somehow. Um, and it could come out in negative forms, could come out in positive forms. Um, but going through it, so it means you're moving forward. You can't move back. You have to go through it. Um, let's see. Uh, I don't know. When my kids were little, we had a book we read to them. It's called the Bear Hunt Book. Have you guys ever, anyone heard of that? So, <clears throat> you know, it went through 
we're going on a bear hunt. I can't remember the, that part of it, but they always come up against some type of obstacle. And we're like, oh, no, we can't go under it, can't go over it, can't go under it or beside it. We have to go through it. So that was kind of kind of reminded me of that, you know, following our thread. So we go to Psalm 3.3, but you, O Lord, are a shield about me. So when we're going through our problem or our anxiety, sometimes it feels like we're going into danger. Like this is it's hard and it's difficult and maybe I don't want to go through it, right? Um, So God tells us that, you know, that he is our shield. And from what I understand, this isn't the shield of, you know, where you're in battle doing this number. This is a shield like as big as a door, you know, it goes around you. Like, uh, have you ever seen the scene from Gladiator? I know it's kind of an older movie now, but Gladiator, they have... um, they shoot off all the air. It's kind of, you military guys probably, they, you, you know, they, they shoot off all their artillery into the woods at the enemy, right? You know, kind of like we go through and bomb everything. And then we send in our infantry. So they send in our infantry, and they're going into danger, right? They're using the shield, and they're going into danger. So they're walking through, and, you know, all of a sudden the enemy comes out, get ready to shoot arrows and stuff like that at them. So they stop, cover, and they, they are protected. And that's kind of what that, this, that shield is described like in uh, Psalm 3. Um, you know, like, so going through those things, like uh, drug-dependent people, you know, sometimes they're in recovery, and they're like, you know what? It would have been better if I just go back to what I was doing. It was easier, you know. It was easier, but that causes more harm, Right? It's not. And then you can go to uh, Numbers 14, 3 through 4. And it says, and this is about, <clears throat> this is about um, the Exodus. It says, why is the Lord bringing us into this land to fall by the sword? Our wives and our little ones will become prey. Would, would it not be better to go back to Egypt? And they said to one another, let us choose a leader and go back to Egypt. So that's that thing, you know, they're, they're not trusting in God's protection. They're looking at the danger in front of them and not focusing on that shield of protection. And we go to Ephesians 6.16. It says, in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. So like those shields, you know, all these things are coming at us. And we have that shield of protection. Um, <clears throat> you know, Jesus, um, when he was in the garden, he was, he was scared, and rightfully so. I mean, his obedience was leading him where? To a tomb, right? But uh, fortunately, on the other side of that tomb was a resurrection, which gives us hope, right? Then we go back to uh, Psalm 3.3. 3. It says, but you, are, you, O Lord, are a shield about me. So... The first step is follow the thread. Just keep moving forward. Work through it. The second one is called, uh, Tim Keller says, relocate your glory. So we go to Psalm 3.3. It says, but you, O Lord, are a shield about me, my glory, and the lifter of my head. So David says something here. He says, I'm scared, but you are my glory. 
Why do you think he says that? You are my glory. Anybody have any ideas? So maybe there was something else that was his glory besides the Lord. And so, um, you know, David may have been substituting something. So, you know, when you're looking at idols or you're looking at um, anxiety, um, it's because, you know, may have substituted something other than God's, for God's glory in his past, yeah, but this time he's lost everything. So when you look at anxiety, anxiety is smoke. If you follow the smoke, it'll lead you to the fire, right? So <clears throat> uh, what is this fire of anxiety? It's something that we have built our emotional and psychological security on. In other words, something positive in our life um, we have identified as our glory or an idol instead of God. So can you guys give me some examples of that, something that we substitute for God's glory for our own? Money, finances, absolutely. Career, yeah. School, I'm sorry? Friendships, relationships, family, yeah. And, uh, <clears throat> being a good husband, that kind of thing. Um, you know, I can tell you a time when I struggled with anxiety, except for this morning when my, I didn't have any ink in my printer and I couldn't print out my notes. Um, let's see, back in the late 1900s, I was in the police academy and, you know, this is a, I don't know how they do it now, but it's a residential thing. I'm getting yelled at, beat up, pepper sprayed. Um, I'm living in a dorm, so I have to make my bed the right way with hospital corners, which I only made my bed once and I just slept on top of it with a sleeping bag. <laughs> but, you know, there was test every week. And as I said, this is a long time ago. So, like, our TAC officers come in on Fridays right before we take a test and throw down McDonald's applications, you know, and say, here you go. If you can't handle it, go work for McDonald's. And so it was, I was really stressed. And I started relying on my own abilities my my own like you know i was trying to glorify myself right so instead of glorifying god so i started performing the way that you know i thought would glorify myself lots of push-ups do what i was told do well on my tests but it's super stressful and i struggled with anxiety my wife was up here she was pregnant with emma you know there's a lot going on and I found myself, like I said, trying to glorify myself in that instance instead of glorifying God. Um, so that's kind of one of the things that, you know, I was trusting in my own performance, my own strength, my identified as that was my glory, right? If I did well, because um, we were here. So all my friends and family and people, church family, they're all praying for me up there, getting beat up and pushed around and all that stuff. And uh, my pride's like, well, what if I fail? And I come home and everybody's like, what's wrong with you? <laughs> you know, you couldn't hack it, you know. Um, and that was, that was super stressful for me. And uh, fortunately, halfway through, you know, I started really relying on God's word to get me through that because we had people get washed out 
And I'm like, oh, man, I'm going to be next, you know. And uh, it worked out. So I graduated top of my class. And uh, God was, was honored to do that, hopefully. Um, so what's wrong with putting our trust in those things, our career, our family, our, you know, any of those things, our finances? Hey, I live in a blue state. Hey, I live in a red state. You know, our politics. What, what's wrong with putting our glory in that? It's finite, exactly. You know, when I was younger, I had an amazing head of hair. <laughs> mullet, rocking the mullet, you know, in the, in the late 80s. And uh, if that would have been my glory, well, I would have been very disappointing these days, right? So, <clears throat> but you're right. And, and these things, they can be debilitating. And when we put our trust or our glory in something that's in our hands, that, that can fade really quick. Uh, look, look, at, uh, look at David. I mean, man, he, he's done a lot wrong, right? He, and, he, and like I said, he committed adultery. He murdered. You know, he did a lot wrong. And so he's looking at God, hopefully, <laughs> saying, you are my glory, because you know what? I had... I had the best-looking wife, I had great kids, I was the king, I was in charge, and now my son's trying to kill me, and it's all been removed. So he comes back and says, you know what, God, you are my glory, not these finite things. And so the next one Tim Keller talks about is um, seeing the substitute. And we go back to Psalm 3. But you, O Lord, are my shield about me, my glory, and the lifter of my head. So how does David know in this, what's David's communicating in this psalm? God's proud of me. How, how How does he know that? That last part says, he is the lifter of my head. What do we do when we come up to somebody? Hey, man, you know, come on, head up. I'm proud of you. You're doing great. You're doing a good job. That's how David knows. He's like, okay, I've messed up, but you know what? God is still proud of me. He says in, my, in his word that he is still proud of me. He's the lifter of my head. Um, this is real. I don't think anybody might remember these, but remember the old Lifesavers commercials? Something went wrong. You know, dad or somebody would come up and you know, lift up your head, son, it's fine, you didn't perform well, here's a lifesaver, right? And, and that's kind of like that type of, of image. Remember the Coke and a Smile? Have a Coke and a Smile. That was, uh, was that Mean Joe Green? He had a big, big line, or he was a lineman, you know, for the Steelers, and this kid comes up. Yes, sir. I can't hear you, so. Take three. <laughs> One of the reasons that uh, David had uh, stated this, that God being the lifter of his head, was uh, the past experiences that he had uh, being on, uh, on the run uh, from King Saul. And mm-hmm. he had 
experienced God's faithfulness and how God sustained him. So he is, I think, he's re- recalling yeah. uh, God's faithfulness and how God uh, held him up and sustained his life, preserved right. him. And he's putting his trust in the same God. Right, instead of his own... In himself. In yes. himself, yes. or trying to glorify himself. Because I think David was a pretty good warrior, wasn't he? He defeated some guy named Goliath. I'm not sure how that worked. Okay, so David's being pursued. And I think when he's talking through this psalm, or singing or praying, um, his head's up. How does he know that he has God's approval? And I think he's going back to um, David knew Genesis 15. And, and this is where Abram cuts the animals in half, and he knew. He was, you know, when, when God said, okay, we're going to go, go get these animals, cut them in half. And so Abram knew, was, okay, we're, we're getting into a, a covenant here, right? Don't cut the birds, but all the animals. So we're getting into a covenant. You think a lot of people would uh, keep their covenants these days if you had to cut animals in half and walk through them instead of having to just sign a paper and a seal or something? But so he goes through, he cuts the animals in half, and he knew he was entering to this covenant with God. However, God passed through the animals and and, pro- and promised that he would bless Abraham and his descendants, even if God himself had to be cut up for Abram's sins or his descendants' sins. So I think that's where David's talking about that in Psalm 3. He's going back to it because he knows that, that, <clears throat> you know, God promises that he will, <clears throat> he will get me through things. And you can go... Centuries later, Jesus Christ was cut up for the lamb, for the <clears throat> from the cut off from the land of the living, and that, and that's how we know that God loves and values us, right? That's our value. That's our glory. Is that God loved us this much that he he died for us? Okay, that's the thing, honestly, that makes me know that I'm significant, because everything I do, anything I accomplish. Um, is is finite but this is eternal and so that makes me know that i'm significant it defeats my fears and that's my glory that's our glory that when those fears are defeated that's our glory Um, so step four remember the people what is the opposite of fear love love is the opposite of fear first john 4 18 there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out all fear, for fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. You have been loved perfectly in Christ, bought by his blood. So, you know, when... Oh, the fourth one? Um, <clears throat> it's remember your people is the fourth one. Remember the people, and you kind of touched on this last week when we were discussing this, 
um, you know, part of that remembering the people is, you know, what do we do? What do we do when we're afraid or we're fearful? We want to, we don't want to talk to everybody and say, hey, you know, we want to hide because we're fearful. And, and Mark touched on it last week where he said, no, you, you, you need to be around the covenant community, the, the people, a body of believers. We get beat up all week long at work, out in the world, and we come in here and it's a time of grace and mercy. You know, going through the police academy, there wasn't a whole lot of grace and mercy. You know, you, you mess up, you get a bunch of push-ups or um, something like that is punishment. And, and honestly, being in law enforcement, if you mess up, um, there's not a lot of grace in that at all. Um, and what happens is when you mess up and uh, you have a, you're in a organization that maybe still back in the 80s, what do you do? You try to cover up that mistake instead of learning from it, right? And so <coughs> that's why we, like I said, we surround ourselves with the body of believers, the covenant community, um, because why? Why is that important? What's the body going to tell us? They're going to give me the gospel because I need to hear it every day. Yes. We've got to wait for the microphone. Please. Here's a story that kind of illustrates what you were saying. I was archery elk hunting one year in Arizona, and my hunting buddy um, knocked one down, and we went out into the forest to find it. And we got so totally lost. I mean, we didn't know what direction. We spent the night in the forest. It rained on us. And early the next morning, about 4 o'clock, we heard a Jeep coming up. And you know what we wanted to do? Hide. Because I was so embarrassed to be one of those people who was inept. And yeah. to me, that's a lot like what we do when we've failed in life. We want to hide. We don't. We want to hide from the, the Jeep or God or, you know what I'm mm -hmm. saying? So I just thought it was kind of a nap story. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I was telling Matt this story last week. Uh, I just got off uh, field training, and I, I uh, went down to the CCDC, the jail here in town. It's by the back of my car. Um, go in, book them in. And I forgot. I was like, oh, crap. I don't something that I was missing. So I got out to my car, and... Uh, like, this is like a week off of field training, so I'm just uh, what that means is you get to be by yourself. You're you're good enough to go out alone and and fight crime, right? So, so I I locked my keys in the car, in the Sally Port of CCDC, and I'm like, oh, I would rather smash my elbow in a sliding glass door than to call my boss and say, I locked my keys in my car. <laughs> You know, so fortunately, uh, Dennis was my boss at the time, and he was very gracious. He came over, he said, hey, I got this Slim Jim off one of my crooks, let's see if it works, and popped my lock for me, you know. <clears throat> but that fear can end up being, like, self-serving because we want to huddle into ourselves instead of, you know, being with the body and serving the body. When we serve the body, it kind of gets us out of ourselves, gets on other things. 
Um, so really, you know, if you're, if you're going to deal with anxiety, you're going to deal with fear, you, you can't do it by yourself. First uh, uh, Thessalonians 5.11, Therefore encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. So that's, that's why it's so important to be in the body and be around the body and, and find, you know, those people that you can be transparent with, that there, you know, there's not going to be a lot of judgment, but there'll be grace and we can learn from them. And I mentioned this before, you know, Jesus was sweating in the garden because he was rightfully scared. Um, because his obedience was leading to a tomb. However, on the other side was that resurrection, and we have that resurrection as well. And really, anything you go through with God, um, there's going to be a resurrection on the other side of that. In 1 Peter 5, which is one of the main passages about anxiety, Humble yourselves, therefore, in the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. And a few verses later, he says, you know, resist him, firming your faith, knowing that the same kinds of sufferings are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And it, it's interesting, on one hand, it, it seems a little sadistic to, to take comfort that other people are suffering. But I think at least one thing that he's saying is, you know, your, your suffering and your anxieties are common to man. And so not only are, is the community there to comfort you, but just hearing their struggles, um, you know, you're not the target of the devil. Jesus is. And then we as his body are the target. And so it's a common <coughs> struggle. And thankfully, that's wrapped up in Jesus who, can, yeah. who, who has resisted and can help us to resist as well. Like I said, be, by being in, in community and being transparent, because I hate to tell you guys this, but we are all in the same boat. There's nobody in this room that has not struggled with anxiety or some type of fear. And so Gwen in last week said, you know, sometimes I feel guilty because I'm working really hard trying to work through this and it's not working, so it's Maybe there's something wrong with me. There's something. Is that is it kind of what you said last week? That, you know, I'm working through this, but I have this guilt that, you know, maybe, I, I'm, you know, it's not working. Why is it not working? You know, maybe I need to work harder. So. And I, it sounds kind of harsh, I guess. You know, the reason why you feel down today is because you're still caught up in works righteousness. You know, we're something I need to do. And really, the only thing we need to do is preach the gospel to ourselves, right? That, you know, God is the one who's going to get us through this. Uh, Philippians 4, 8 through 9, uh, 8. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable. If there is any of any excellence, if there is any worthy of praise, think of these things. And it goes back to being single-mindedness. You know, we can be distracted. The world tells us all the time, listen to your heart, you know, listen to your feelings. 
you know, well, our, our feelings don't save us. Our feelings are our salvation. Our heart goes everywhere, all which directions, all day long. What do they call that? Jiminy Cricket theology or something? You know, or, you know, count on your feelings, you know, follow your feelings. And, you know, our, those, those feelings can be deceitful. I think the, the Bible says that, you know, the heart can be deceitful above all things. And so, you know, that can be something that, you know, and Tim Keller says, you know, don't listen to your heart because you'll be going off on all these rabbit trails. He says, talk to your heart. Tell your heart the truths of God. Tell your heart what God's word says about your anxiety, what you're, what you're putting your glory in, you know. Preach the gospel to your heart and say, I am saved. I am worthy because of what Jesus did for me. And like I said, you know, like I said, you can either listen to your heart or talk to your heart. Psalm 42, 5, David is saying, why am I depressed? Remember your hope is in God and his salvation, you know. So we're struggling with that. We don't have the power <laughs> to handle that. So we, our power is through the Holy Spirit. Uh, like Tim says, the Rodney Dangerfield of the Trinity. But it's through the Holy Spirit. That's our power. That's what we can that's what gets us through our anxieties. Um, but you know, do you know what you're up against? Do you know what you're up against? You know, there's three things you're up against. The world, the flesh, and the devil. Um, the world. The world is a mindset of the here and now, and all that matters is the physical or what you see. Uh, if you watch enough commercials... You know, you're probably going to get conditioned to say, I need to look a certain way. I need to get a toupee, or, you know. <laughs> um, but I need to look a certain way. I need to lose weight. I need to wear, I wear certain clothes. So that's what that the world kind of is the, the definition of. And that's we're fighting against that. The flesh. The flesh, you know, is selfishness. It's our desire to be God, to live for our own glory. So what, what's that look like? with these commercials, what drives me to spend too much money on my appearance or eating disorders? It could cause you eating disorders. So, um, <clears throat> then the last one, the devil. Uh, I know uh, you don't want to talk about super, <laughs> supernatural things in, the, in our culture, kind of uh, silly, um, but uh, Tim Keller says that we are in the minority throughout history, that majority of cultures would would agree throughout history that there is a, a devil. And what is that? It's, it's an evil supernatural intelligence who is the leader of an army of evil supernatural intelligence soldiers. And what does the devil do? The devil accuses us and says, you call yourself a Christian. Um, they can't take your salvation, right? Uh, John 10, 29, my father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my father's hand. So this, this unholy trinity, is, as I've heard Mark call it, you know, what's, their desire is to destroy your peace and joy. They can't take your salvation, but they sure can destroy your peace 
in your joy. And so in other words, they're just trying to get your conscience to go crazy with all these other things, you know. Uh, get it, uh, <clears throat> and really just try to get you to question your salvation, you know. I should be more along in this Christian walk than I am. Satan will get us to say, say those things to us. I, I should be better. I should be moving forward, and I shouldn't be struggling. So it's really to get our, fo- he, you know, that whole trinity tries to get our focus um, on our sin rather than our salvation, which is in Jesus Christ. But honestly, we have the only thing that matters. The only thing that matters is the gospel, preaching the gospel to ourselves. That is why we need to preach the gospel to ourselves every day. Every day. And we hear that at least two to three times a month in the pulpit. You know, reminding ourselves of the truths of the gospel instead of listening to the world or listening to our heart. And when we are struggling with things, remind ourselves that Jesus is our salvation, not our careers, not the way we look, um, not our portfolio or our political views or our views on other things, but preaching the gospel to ourselves. Um, so to sum this up, Ephesians six ten through 17, starting with 10, Finally, be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand the evil day Having done all to stand firm, stand therefore having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith. Remember that shield of faith is a big shield where we are, we're going to move forward, we're going to go through our our issue, our problems, we're going to go into danger, because that's what that shield's designed for, is to go into danger, to work through our problems. Um, So, in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the sword of God. Does anybody have any questions or comments? Testimony. I actually do back here, back in the sound booth, Joe. Hey. Um, I, I'm kind of going to expand on what Gwenin said last week, what he said today, and what you said last week. Um, I'm, I'm a long, kind of a long-time struggler with anxiety. Um, and like Gwenin said, I'm not trying to put words in her mouth, but when I first started, I would say, dealing with or trying to deal with anxiety or you know, confront the fact that I was struggling with it, of course, I would, I would tell all of my Christian friends, and the first thing they would do, and rightly so, was to quote scripture to me. Um, and I, anxiety and depression can make you very weak in your faith, and I felt like that just compounded the anxiety so much because I'm like, oh, 
they're, are they telling me I'm sinning? Like, I, I, I felt, at the time anyways, it made it, it made it harder, I thought. I mean, I, ne I needed help too, I, I think, and, and I think you've got background in, in um, counseling, and you mentioned last week even that anxiety can also be physiological. It can be, right, it can right. be brought on by, by chemical imbalances. Yeah, and so I, I just, I struggle with the, the duality of needing to pray, needing to hear the word, but also, like Keith said, needing to know that others struggle with me. That, that helps so much, right. especially if you can find people that struggle with the same, same issues you do. Yeah. Um, but also, sometimes you need to go talk to a professional. I mean, you need to talk to so right. someone who's trained to talk you through things. And yeah, so that's that's a hard that's a hard uh, duality. The yeah. you know not wanting to just solve it yourself, but sometimes you kind of just need to get that extra help. Yeah, and to clarify, last week was more like some uh, the physiological issues, and this week is just your kind of your general type of anxiety that's not based off, you know, hormonal issues or a thyroid issue or something like that. Well, they, they kind of work in tandem sometimes. Yeah. Um, when we're thinking about 2 Corinthians 12 and Paul's thorn in the flesh, um, I think one of my biggest questions is how do we look at God's promises to give us strength and to quote get us through things and also recognize that there may be some things that we struggle with our whole life this side of glory understanding that sometimes our restoration and our freedom is only going to come when we are in god's presence um how does that All right, so we we live in a fallen world yeah. right and there are, we're going to have struggles every day with something, you know, Paul's, and those struggles push us to God. You know, we can run from God, and that, and that was kind of at the beginning. We can run from that and say, I'm not going that way because it looks dangerous. I'm going this way, and that typically would cause more harm. But these struggles, God uses those to bring us to himself, to push it, because we have nowhere else to go. Again, we're, in all, we're all in the same boat. So that struggle is going to push us, for the believer, is going to push us to God. It's going to, you know, and, it, and he uses it for good. Yeah, I think um, sometimes it's just helpful to remember um, some, another person may experience freedom, this side of glory, but not everybody will. And kind of like along with what he was saying about um, we can preach the gospel to ourselves um, and we, we have to continue on in the, in the faith. We have to continue on struggling, but sometimes our life is just going to be a struggle and we have to just continue struggling well. And it's not, sometimes it's not necessarily a fault that you are not experiencing the same relief that others have experienced. Oh, exactly. Yeah, like yeah. I said, we all struggle with something. Um, as, as it was in the case of David, um, the, some of the decisions that he made uh, as a king and as a father kind of put him in that situation because the, the Lord, uh, uh, I guess, uh, uh, 
prophesied through, through Nathan because of his sin of adultery, the, the sword did not depart from his household. And some of the struggles and some of the um, uh, circumstances, difficulties that we experience in our lives is directly as a result of our sin and our disobedience, and we need to come to terms with that just as David did. And God brings these trials and difficulties in our lives when we do walk in disobedience to him. And uh, that's, I guess, that's where the community comes in, the covenant community, and looking to others to, to help you uh, get through those afflictions and, and bring you to repentance, but, but in love. Now, yeah, however, we're not condemned. We've been, we've been pardoned from all that stuff through Jesus. And by, like you said, preaching the gospel ourselves, have other people preach the gospel to us, people encouraging us to continue to move forward until we're in glory and we'll just have peace. I found that the more... I focus on anxiety, the worse it gets. So Elizabeth Elliot was talking about her daughters raising seven children, and how do you, how do you even? And her daughter said, I do the next thing. And I think as we focus on others and focus on doing the next thing, it takes us out of ourselves. Right. Because it's just so easy to turn in on ourselves. Yeah. When, you know, when I feel down or you know, I'm not in God's word, what happens? I start focusing on myself. And then when I get in God's word, I can focus on Christ. And he reminds me it's not just, it's not about me. Um, I think it's so important to take the long view. I, you know, was always very um, thankful for reading the books of Corey Ten Boom. Um, and I think about the hour after the Gestapo came to her door and took herself and her sister away and her father to Bergen-Belsen, if she'd looked at the situation at that moment, it, it looked you know, beyond, beyond bleakness. And yet God used that experience to then give her a ministry that caused thousands to come to Christ. So we can so often focus in the moment of the anxiety or the moment of the crisis. But we have to take that long view and, and trust that God is working through for his glory. Uh, in that moment, it's not easy. But that's where ultimately our trust has to be, that he is, you know, he knows the end from the beginning. And we right. can rest in that. You know, like Benjamin, right? He was, he was sold into slavery by his brothers. They were going to kill him and they end up slaying him. What do he say? Well, what you meant for evil, God meant for good. So, okay. Uh, let's go ahead and pray. Uh, I, have one, I have something to say. Oh, no. <laughs> Hi, Dad. <laughs> um, I, I struggle with anxiety, too. You know, I've always struggled with it ever since I was in high school. And one thing that you always taught me growing up, especially uh -oh. <laughs> <laughs> when I was in high school and I was running Haas Country, whenever I didn't do well in a race, and I would get so focused on it and focused on like my mistakes and what I did wrong and all that stuff. And you always told me that I am not a cross country runner that's a Christian. I am a Christian that is a cross country runner. And I've always like, that's never, I guess, I've always thought about that. 
as you know I entered college whenever like I didn't do well in an exam and my anxiety would you know take over and I would focus so much on that like I would always say I am not a student that's a Christian I'm a Christian that's a student meaning that your identity is in Christ not in your anxiety or in the test that you failed you know so I find a lot of peace and rest in that yeah because that is permanent uh, the other, all the other things are finite good we good no other questions Okay, let's go ahead and pray. Dear Lord and Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word that gives us encouragement in the times that we live in this fallen world and the struggles um, that we face. Uh, we thank you that uh, we can also be encouragers to others um, who are struggling. They're in the same boat. Um, we pray that you would just uh, bless this day, bless our fellowship. Um, may it be pleasing to you. In Jesus' name, amen.